Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're going to begin with hymn number two in your book. Please take the blue hymnal in front of you. Hymn number two, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. Now, we sang this hymn just a couple of weeks ago in the morning service, but it is a good one, and it has good application to the message I want to bring you tonight. Let's stand as we worship the Lord with this hymn. Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer and just commit ourselves in this evening's service to Him. Our gracious Father, we come into Thy holy presence again with thanksgiving in our hearts, and we lift our voices and our souls in thanksgiving and worship. Dear Father, how can we do anything but praise with our souls the King of heaven, 
And Lord, we acknowledge tonight from our hearts that Christ Jesus is our risen and reigning, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the high King of heaven. And dear Father, tonight we want from our hearts to exalt Him. We want to give praise and thanksgiving. We want, Lord, from the very depth of our being to be devoted unto the cause of Jesus. We want, Lord, our lives, and we want our congregation to be a fellowship of people separated unto the Lord and to be a living witness in our community, one by one to our neighbors and friends and in the workplace. And dear God, I pray that in this community of Malvern, that as we give forth the gospel by the electronic sign at the front and by the gospel texts on Nielsen Road, that the people that drive by would read them and the Spirit of God would bring conviction of sin and salvation. Lord, with us it is impossible, but not with our God. For, Lord, with our God all things are possible And we pray that each one of us will be used as soul winners. Father, have we not asked this prayer many times? And we are asking, Lord, to bring it to completion in all of our lives. Every single Christian, help us to lead a soul to Christ. And we pray that we would see our own congregation multiplying with new babes in Christ, those who are born again of the Spirit of God, those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Let our witness be a broad witness. Let it be one that spreads out in Toronto, in Ontario, and across our nation. Lord, we are in need of help. Our nation is in need of spiritual reviving. And I pray that every faithful follower of Christ would know the joy and the reviving Spirit of the Lord upon each one of us. Many, Lord, not of our denomination, but faithful unto Christ. And therefore we pray for them and we pray with them. And we ask, dear God, that the light and the truth would echo forth continuously across our land. Bring a great awakening. Turn back the tide and forces of evil. Our brother Diderno reminding us last week, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. And Lord, we are praying that that standard will be raised very high. We're asking, Lord, to make use of us as Your servants. We sang tonight about angels helping us to adore our God. And we pray, Lord, that we will have the strength of the Spirit of God and the enablement to be able to go forward conquering and to conquer. Father, we are not defeated We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And we're thankful there is no force or power that can take us out of our 
Heavenly Father's hands. And therefore, strengthen us. Fill us with the joy of the Lord. Give us the fresh oil and the anointing of the Spirit of God for every day's living. Lord, we need this every day. We cannot and we dare not step out on our own. Hear our prayer. Make use of us, Lord, in every church within our fellowship. Bless the preaching of Your Word and bring in souls in salvation. We think, Lord, of the camp that is underway already down in Pennsylvania. Bless the campers that have arrived. Bless all of the counselors and the ones who will be preaching the Word, devotional times in the cabins. Father, may this be a time of great spiritual growth and of work deeply in the hearts of the youth in all of our denomination, specifically in the United States at this particular time. And Lord, bless all who are the youth in our churches in Canada that have not been able to go. Father, encourage them. Let them not be discouraged, but rather multiply them abundantly as well, that they will not miss out in any way, but be strengthened with might in the inner man. Bless all of our youth and our young adults. Bless the boys and girls from the very youngest in our Sunday school, in our church families. Father, expand and bless our families and encourage us all as we serve our God. So, hear our prayer today. Remember again those who are sick, those who have been recently bereaved. Encourage their hearts. Lift them up, we pray, and bless them. Hear our prayer now tonight. and Encourage our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We'll sing again, please, Psalm 95. And we're using our blue hymnals, and you'll find the Psalms at the back of our book. So turn to Psalm 95, and we will stand as we worship the Lord again.
What a great psalm that speaks to us of the sovereignty of God in creation and the God whom we worship and praise in salvation. Great is our God. We're reading, please, tonight for a congregational reading in the book of Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, we're reading some verses now and then we'll be continuing later in our meeting. Starting at verse 1, down to verse 17. If you don't have your Bible with you, make use, please, of the Red Pew Bible in front of you and turn up to the book of Daniel and follow with us. It's very important as we seek for the Lord's light upon His Word. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are His signs, and how mighty are His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the Spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, behold, I know that the Spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heavens dwelt in the bows thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. He cried, aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off his branches. 
shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it and the fowls from the branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. May the Lord help us to once more understand His Word and that the Holy Spirit would apply its truth uh, to our hearts at this time. Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're happy that you are here. And if you're visiting with us for the very first time, maybe you've come back again to have fellowship with us. You're very, very welcome in the Savior's name. And we hope that you will be blessed in the Word. It's good to see Rose back with us tonight. We know that she has not been just so well the last few weeks, but it's good to have Rose back in the service with us tonight. And uh, any others, if you've been under the weather a bit, well, we're very happy that you're here with us tonight. Let me ask you to remember, please, our denominational camp for our young people going on. It started Saturday. They arrived at the camp in Pennsylvania and they have the Lord's Day services today, and then they uh, begin their activities uh, Monday, going right through until Saturday. And there is ministry going on in the cabins, and then each evening they have uh, services and do pray for all of the campers. We are sorry that none of our Canadian young people are, have gone down this year, but we hope that will be rectified next year and there will be a possibility of that. But nonetheless, do pray for everyone who will be involved. It's a big commitment for those who are the campers themselves, the in charge of that cabins, and those who are organizing it all. Dr. Stephen Pollock, the minister of our Malvern congregation, he really oversees the camp, and there are other helpers and people that go to be a part of that. So do remember them this week before the Lord. Today in Cloverdale, British Columbia, the final Lord's Day service for uh, Mr. Jonathan Eccles. And Jonathan Eccles is a ministerial student from Northern Ireland. He has completed his second year of study, and he offered himself to be available to help in the Western churches in Canada. Well, we took him up on that offer, and he has been a blessing to the congregation there so far, and his final meeting will actually be on Wednesday night at their prayer meeting, and then he'll be heading from there up to Prince George to spend some time with Brother Andrew Simpson and to be in the congregation there. Well, what turned out to be, first of all, just a visit to Cloverdale and maybe the Western churches, well, it's turned out to be right across Canada because he's making his way, Jonathan Eccles is. Uh, he'll be in Cloverdale, but well, he's already been there in Prince George. He'll be in Penticton in, in Calgary. 
and then he will also be coming to Ontario to be in the services in Barrie and also in Toronto. So we're, hope, we're, we're thankful for that, and we do pray that God's hand will be upon our brother. I spoke to him yesterday afternoon, and he said he was very apprehensive about coming over to North America to begin with. He had never really been over here before, and so it was a little bit daunting for him and not knowing just how things would go, but he said he has had real blessing to be with the people in Cloverdale. That's been encouraging to him and for the people as well, and he's looking forward to this time in the rest of the churches in Canada. Do please also pray for our brother Frank DiDerno and his wife Clarissa and also Franco, because they will be heading out this week flying to Cloverdale, and they'll be there for the next two Lord's Days and uh, we pray that the Lord would bless their ministry there as well. As I mentioned before, uh, Brother Diderno is commencing his year of internship in our church in Toronto, and so we want to ask the congregation to reach out to them as much as possible, and they would be open for an invitation to your home if you would like to get to know them, and it would be a good uh, way of showing hospitality and of encouraging them as they are training, as our brother Frank is training for the gospel ministry. He has finished his studies in the, that's the first step, and then he'll be doing internship here, and then after that, seeking the Lord's will for the future and where he would be in ministry. Please also remember the folks that we've been praying for uh, in need of health uh, needs, uh, Brother Steve Kelly. We know that his sister, his daughter, Esther, uh, flew back from British Columbia to be with the family and to give some assistance. So we want to remember her in prayer and also our sister Carol Kelly. The Lord's hand would be upon her for good. Good to see Ron in the congregation tonight. We continue to hold up our brother before the Lord and Serene here as well. The Lord is answering prayer. At least they are here in the service, and that's encouraging. And let's continue to hold them up before the Lord. Don't forget to pray for the Pregnancy Care Center. Remember, I reminded you about that this morning and the charitable status issue that is affecting them, that the Lord would give help and let their testimony and their witness go forward unhindered in any way. Remember, please, the service is Wednesday night at our prayer meeting, 7.30, and I hope to be with you and would like to continue our study in Psalm 63 and then also our Lord's Day services on next Sunday. Don't forget the Sports Fellowship on Friday night between 6 and 9 o'clock in our school gymnasium. If anyone would like to be a part of that, you're, you're welcome to go, and Brother Kingsley Jew is overseeing that work. Your tithes and your offerings are always important for the work of God, it is a way in which we as believers worship the Lord. We worship Him in many ways, but certainly one of them is by giving back to the Lord what He has blessed us with. And as you feel led by the Lord to give to His work here, the offering plate is on the table in the foyer, and you are able to do that. There are some envelopes there as well. Let's sing hymn number 19, remaining seated while we sing, I sing the mighty power of God. And actually, just as soon as I say that, 
I think we can't remain seated for this one. We must stand up and fill our, our lungs with air and give praise to the Lord. Number 19, let's stand to sing. may be seated. This hymn, of course, well, it dovetails in with the message I brought to you this morning from John 15 that tells us that Christ is the true vine. And of course, we were thinking about Him being the center of all life, physical and spiritual. And of course, Him being the center of life, all life flows from Him. And as the trees, the nature things develop and grow, that comes from the hand and the gracious power of our God. And we will see as we study tonight how once more that truth is being unfolded uh, to us. Let me remind you again of our current magazine, the magazine of our denomination, and you can get them on the table as you leave tonight. Do pick one up and then make sure you give it to a friend Use it as an outreach tool, and we pray the Lord's name will be honored. Reading again in Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 24. And down to the end of the chapter, we're omitting for the sake of time the verses from 18 uh, downwards because chapter 4, verse 24, starts into the interpretation that Daniel gives 
to this dream. Nebuchadnezzar tells him about the content of the dream, and then Daniel shares with him something about the weight, the implications of it, and then the interpretation begins in verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O King, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom of my might, of my power, and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the days... I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. 
and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. We'll ask the Lord's help now in his word. Father, we pray tonight for the help of the Spirit of God once again. I pray, Lord, for that unction and anointing to speak Thy holy word with the authority of heaven. I pray that everyone listening to this message tonight would have an understanding heart. And Lord, where there is need for an understanding heart in salvation, that You would come with power, Lord, tonight to arrest, to convict, and to convert. And Lord, for those of us who are saved, please expand our understanding. Teach us, Lord, the great wonders of heaven. Give us a grasp of the glory of our Redeemer. Father, help us to bask in the sunlight of Your everlasting and eternal glory. Hear our prayer tonight, I pray, and bless us now. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen. When we began our study, I shared with you that the book of Daniel is one that is under great attack today by those who are Bible deniers. It is under attack because, well, it is filled with the majesty of God's everlasting kingdom. It is a book that is filled with prophecy that speaks about what will happen during the days of Messiah on earth and as we draw toward the end of time. It is a book that has been questioned as to who is the author of this book. Was it written by Daniel in the time in which he spoke? Or was it written by some other author under the name of Daniel hundreds of years later? Well, that is actually what many of liberal theologians would say. 
It was written during the time of the Maccabean Revolt, perhaps near the end of the Old Testament time. If you wanted to further your study, I would recommend to you a book by Dr. E.J. Young. He is now passed on and gone to be with the Lord, but he gave a series of lectures at Toronto Baptist Seminary years ago, and the lectures are contained here in this book. He is a very sound, conservative, and reformed Bible scholar who has gone into great detail in the study of the book of Daniel. It is, I must say to you, sometimes hard-going because it goes into much of the detail of the languages, but nonetheless there is good and worthy help in the study of the Word of God through that sound theologian. Many others have written on Daniel I could not recommend to you, but that particular one is worthy of your reading. To say that in studying the book of Daniel and the rest of Scripture, that there is nothing by chance in this world, it's a statement that has been ridiculed by the common person. And they have ridiculed it as fairy taleish. I don't even think there's such a word as that, but there is now because I just made it up. Fairy taleish. Those that perhaps would say it's just wishful thinking to imagine that there is possibly a God that is overseeing all things that happen in this world. There is such a supreme being that has ordered all things and that superintends the direction and the details and the destiny of humanity. Is it possible? It seems ridiculous to the so-called enlightened mind today. Well, the so-called enlightened minds are very often in the depth of great darkness. And the light that they have, which is darkness, becomes even darker still. But this testimony that we have in chapter 4 of Daniel, made by the king of Babylon, has also been under great attack by those who deny that he was the author of it or that his testimony is really being contained here. We learned in our study last time we were together that Nebuchadnezzar, in the steps to his redemption, was a man who was swelled up with his own pride. He was walking in his palace. He was musing over the greatness of Babylon. He looked at all of the greatness that he had built for the majesty of his own name. And when that happened, which was 12 months actually after that dream had been interpreted to him, it came as he was speaking the very word. The fulfillment of that dream came upon him. And he was a man who, after being swelled with pride, was soaking in his own shame because he turned into an animal virtually and was wet with the dew of heaven 
and his hair grew like feathers, and his fingernails grew like claws. And then something happened to him. He had a sight of heaven. In verse 34, and he gave to us a statement of his own personal faith. And I want us to continue in our study tonight as we think not so much now about the steps of Nebuchadnezzar's redemption, but I want us to think tonight about the sovereignty of God that was revealed to him and how he saw by that gift of God's truth to his own heart. He then came to realize some things about God, some things about himself. The greatest of these things was that God is the sovereign ruler of all things in this world. Let's think about Daniel's or about Nebuchadnezzar's testimony and his remarkable confession of faith because now he viewed God in a different way completely than he had ever thought of Him before. He now saw that the God of heaven was the ruler of all. And we learn some things in the first place that the knowledge of a sovereign God who controls all things is only known by revelation. The sovereign God that rules and controls over all things can only be known by revelation. It can only be given by the God who is sovereign over all things. My dear friends, we're using one verse tonight primarily as a text, and it will be found in verse 26, the last three words, the heavens do rule. Well, that's four words. The heavens do rule. We're thinking about that tonight. But we will be looking at several other parts of the chapter which will help to bring to light the teaching and the lessons that we are to grasp from this. It is God's intention that all humanity will sooner or later come to know that God is almighty and that beside Him there is no other God. Yes, the Lord wants humanity to come to that lesson. Please look at verse 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Now this is the word that was given to Nebuchadnezzar as part of this dream. And it's very fascinating to me 
as we consider that it came with clarity to the king as he rehearsed the dream to Daniel in order to grasp the interpretation of it. In the second half of the, of the verse 17, it starts with these words, to the intent, that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And this Most High gives the kingdoms of men to whomsoever He will, and He sets over it the basest of men, the lowest of men. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is not exactly thinking about himself as the lowest and the basis of men. Not then, anyway. But the dream came to him with this word. The truth was revealed to the king, to an ungodly, a heathen king, in a dream. Do not miss the words to the intent that the living may know. Where is this coming from? My dear friends, this is coming from the very God that has revealed this word to Nebuchadnezzar. And it is God's intention and His purpose to the intent that all men will know. Will know what? Will know that there is a God in heaven that rules sovereignly and that rules completely. God intends and has shown by nature and by special revelation through the Bible that there is not just some kind of cosmic intelligence that has created the universe, but a personal God, a personal God, the Most High, to whom all men will one day give account. That includes every one of us here in this building tonight. It includes everyone listening online to this message this evening. Every one of us will give account before the Most High God. My dear friends, there is great grace from the Lord in these words. For the God of heaven, who was rejected by man, and that man that deserved no special revelation, no special word from God, the Lord, the living God, has given that word. It is the Lord's intention that all men will know about Him. And grace has brought man who in his rebellion and in the darkness of his soul has rejected the Lord. And yet God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He hath loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and in sins, what has He done? He has quickened us together with Christ. He has made Himself known to us. This, my dear friends, is grace that is multiplied tonight. Because just as the Lord came to that ungodly king, and just as the Lord said to him, to the intent that you will know, 
that all men will know, that all would come to know the living and the true God. It only can come by revelation. Man will never find out God by his own inquiry. And the reason behind that, my friend, is quite simple. It is because we are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And in that deadness, there is no life spiritually. So there is no seeking after the living God of ourselves. In the deadness of our souls, we need it to have something from outside of us And that something from the outside is the Spirit of God that works in our hearts and gives life to us spiritually and then points us to the only remedy that is to our Lord Jesus Christ. It is what the Lord has done graciously and mercifully to us this evening. Are you saved tonight? Have you been born again by the Spirit of God? Then rejoice. Rejoice that that has been made known to you. Are you resting, believer, tonight in the wonderful peace of our gracious and loving God? But if you don't know Him, then I say, do not delay. Come at the invitation of the Lord and repent of your sin and call upon Him. I want you to notice in the second place that this revelation of a sovereign, personal God has been made personal to us. This revelation of a sovereign, personal God has been made personal to us. In one sense, verse 17 that we just looked at was more general, that the living may know. But I turn your attention to verse 25, because in verse 25, halfway down the verse, you will see it says, until or till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And so what is happening here? We're finding a development or a stepping forward in Revelation. We're finding it's not just now the general knowledge going out to all men, but it is now directed toward one man, toward Nebuchadnezzar. And the word is, until you know Nebuchadnezzar, until you come to realize, not just all of Babylon or all of the world or anyone else. Do you know something precious here, friend? That the gospel message always comes down to you, to the individual. It always comes down to me. God deals with us as individuals. And here He is pointing the revelation very directly to this man. 
God, through the ministry of Daniel, is giving the interpretation of this dream. That's what's happening in verse 25. The interpretation is now coming forward. This revelation, it's now touching the heart of the king. He cannot escape the sword of the Spirit, for the Word of God is alive. It is powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce even into the hardest and most stubbornly proud heart. Or, as we are also told, to the basest of men, the lowest. Now, you might be thinking, well, if the Word of God came to Nebuchadnezzar with power then, how come twelve months went by, and how come he went and then fulfilled really the virtual, the pride factor, and he went down that road? My friends, how God deals with the hearts of people and the timing of the Lord is part of His business. And you remember from your own journey to salvation, there were many times that you heard the gospel. There were many times the Holy Spirit brought conviction to your heart, but you resisted and you turned away. Maybe you're here tonight, and I don't know your heart. Maybe you're here tonight, and you have resisted and resisted and resisted, and the gospel is coming, and the Holy Spirit is poking you in your very soul tonight, but you're resisting. Maybe 12 months will go by for you. Maybe there'll come a time when you're going to go nose down to the ground, face first, in great humility. I pray, friend, it does not have to come to that. But maybe it will. But nonetheless, how God is working in your heart, how the Lord is unfolding His purposes in your life, He is dealing with you as an individual. The king of Babylon would come to understand in time that it was by divine revelation through the instrumentality of Daniel, his prophet. And again, friend, this is a very, very good lesson for us to grasp this truth that God reveals to us personally, but He often uses a pastor, a teacher, a soul winner, a personal worker, to bring the Word to us. And God used His prophet Daniel to bring that Word to this man at that particular time. And he would know that from, that is, Nebuchadnezzar, from the time of his birth, all through his upbringing, right to the throne of Babylon, to his being banished to Rome as an animal until his reason returned unto him and his throne was reestablished, what would he know? That God, the God of heaven, the sovereign high God of heaven, is the one who is in charge and that nothing in his life had happened by chance. It was all according to a divine plan. My dear friends, the only way 
that a person can come to know the God of heaven is when the Spirit opens the eyes, opens the spiritual understanding, and we are brought by grace to repent and to lay hold upon Christ. And when we do, we are born again of the Spirit of God. Our omnipotent and sovereign Redeemer has shown us His way. He has given us His Word. And when we see that all the details of our lives, from the very smallest ones that directed us to the point of our salvation, and then those details that were unfolding one after another, a step here, a situation there in our Christian lives, are all been working according to our God. It is so far beyond our comprehension. But that is something that this man, Nebuchadnezzar, got a hold of. He was able to get at least a little grasp of its truth. And chapter 4, the entire part of it, it all gives glory and exaltation unto the King of heaven because our sovereign God is a personal God. Our sovereign God is a personal God that makes Himself known personally to us. Another thought is this tonight, that this inward work of grace, it will now blossom into an outward profession of faith. In verses 34 and 35, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? The inward work of grace it now is blossoming out in this man's life and heart into a profession of his faith. He blessed the Most High, verse 34. And I can almost hear him saying as well the words of Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. You see, friend, when God has revealed Himself to us, and when Christ has been made known to our 
darkened minds and hearts, and we've been brought to faith in Him, what happens? Well, what happens is that there is a transformation from the inside out, and then what we now know of the light coming on within. And Christ, who is the light of the world, now becomes the light of our life. And we know Him. And we want to bless the God of heaven. We want to worship and adore the God who has saved us. The God who has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of this world. Can you praise Him tonight who has made that known in your own heart? He worshipped the eternal God. It says also in verse 34, and I praised and I honored Him that liveth forever. The gods that He had been worshiping, the god Bel, wherever it came from, or wherever the history of it originated, now Nebuchadnezzar had left those because they were no gods. Into his mind and heart had come the revelation of the one true and living God. The God of Daniel. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The God whose name was Jehovah. And he had bowed his heart and his understanding. And he is now praising and honoring the One that is eternal. That lives forever and forever. Has no beginning and has no ending. And this is the God whom we worship today. And dear friends, as we consider the greatness of the God with whom we have to do, it helps us to keep in perspective all of the issues of this life. It puts man into his correct place. Verse 35, it says, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. This is not the word of the previous Nebuchadnezzar who was filled with pride. This is not the word of the king who said, I have built all this great Babylon for my own glory. This is a man and the testimony and the confession and the profession of someone who has been changed from the inside out and now he sees things differently. Now he knows that all of creation and every man that has been on this earth, they are reputed, they are reported, they are to give testimony, they are nothing. They are nothing in the eyes and in reflection to the God of heaven. We are nothing. We are esteemed, dear friends, tonight as less than nothing, of worthless, because of what we have done in the face of all that God has given to us. And yet, my dear friends, now in Christ we are not nothing. Now in Christ. We are to God His very, very special treasure. 
We are now held up as a diadem. We're now held up before our God as a diamond that is rare and cherished and of great value to Him. Why? Because you have been redeemed not with corruptible things of silver and gold and of our old ways, but we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, and we are therefore now precious in the eyes of our great God. But there has to first of all be the acknowledgement of who we are, of where we came from, and that God took us out of our nothingness, out of our sin and our rebellion. And when He took us out of there, He set us upon the rock, the rock of our salvation. He set us upon Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in so doing that, He cherishes us now of something of eternal value. Man is put in his correct place in verse 35. Nebuchadnezzar says that this high God, he does according to his will in the army of heaven. I don't know if you knew there was an army of heaven. Most definitely there is. And God is the great commander of all the angels and all of His creation in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stop His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? The last time we were together, I reminded you from this very portion and suggested that the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans had this very word in his mind as he spoke about the potter and the clay, as he spoke about the eternal God and how that man who is nothing, how dare any man raise an objection before the sovereign God of heaven to say, what are you doing? And why have you done it? No man, no created being, has the right to make such a question. And Nebuchadnezzar saw it very clearly. Man was put into his right place. And until, friend, we are put in our own minds and hearts into our right place, we will never see ourselves in need of salvation. Because we will never see ourselves as the great sinners that we are. But when we come to see that, then we will come to lay hold upon the Lord who is our great Redeemer. Nebuchadnezzar also saw that the God of Daniel was a high God, but he is called here in verse 37, the King of Heaven. He said, now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, he's closing off his testimony. He's bringing it to the end now. He says, I praise and I extol and honor the King of heaven. What did we sing today? We said, praise my soul, the King of heaven. 
to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like we his praise should sing. And so we like this man will say we honor the King of heaven, all whose works are done in truth and His ways and judgments are right. And those that walk in pride, He is able to subdue. We have come tonight to the conclusion of this man's word. This is his confession of faith. This is his testimony. What is your testimony? Do you have one? Do you rejoice in the God who has saved you? You know, for the believer, there is not one thing that Nebuchadnezzar said in his profession of faith that we would deny. Everything is truth. And we would say a hearty amen to it all. We rejoice that it has been articulated so clearly, so profoundly. And what does it do for us? My, it warms our hearts. It makes us thankful and it lifts our hearts in praise. And I'll tell you what else it does. It nerves our spirits. And it helps us to see that the heavens do rule. Because the God who made the heavens is the High King. And we have trusted in this sovereign God as our Savior. He is our Lord. And we believe in Him. And our eternal soul is safe with Him. And if that is all true, are we fully trusting Him for every detail of our lives? Be careful that our worrying about details that are out of our control, that we are not grieving the Holy Spirit. It's sometimes easier, isn't it, to trust the Lord in the big things of life and yet to become all twisted in a knot over the little things. That does not mean that we will always get our way, but it does mean that we are to trust in the Lord with every facet of our life and to leave in His hands the content our everyday journey and to say, Lord, is above and beyond me. I cannot take control of this. I give everything, Lord, into Your hand to fulfill Your purpose and just help me to trust. Not just, my dear friends, not just somehow, but triumphantly. Yes, those are the words that Dr. Ken Connolly saw on that little plaque in the house he was staying in over the kitchen, and it troubled him greatly. What did the woman of the house mean? Not somehow, but triumphantly. She meant, and that plaque was relaying it, in the common everyday things of life. We're not to, we're not to be taking those as just commonplace and just to go through the mundane, humdrum things of life, 
but we are to grasp them triumphantly for the Lord and say, this is part of my sovereign Lord's oversight of my life. Not somehow, but triumphantly. And we will say that we trust in Him and will not be afraid. Yes, the heavens do rule and our God is in control for He is our Sovereign Lord and our Sovereign King. We're going to close our service tonight by singing hymn number 28. Please take your hymnal and turn there. Number 28. It's so fitting for us to conclude with this now. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds Thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe is displayed. How great Thou art. We'll stand to sing verses 1, 3, and 4.
Father, as we bring our meeting now to a close, let the praise that thy holy name is so deserving of, let that continue as we say our final amen and as we make our way from this building let the praises of our great God continue in our hearts. Make use of us, we pray, O God, that our lives be a continual note of praise and worship to You. Lord, part us now in Your fear and rich blessing. We ask these things in Jesus' holy and great name. Amen.